0: Now that you're all awake again, here we go. Oh my goodness. I couldn't resist that one. In those Bibles you held up or electronic device that you held up, uh, I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, a uh, key verse today. Uh, We're going to be looking under the theme, our new series today, uh, How to Prepare for the End of the World. And I want to describe for you today that the end is near. And uh, in these verses, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. it It'll be an exegetical study as we go through First and Second Thessalonians over the next several weeks. And uh, uh, it's going to be a great study, and I hope that you'll be here for each and every one. If you should miss, uh, we do upload these to our website, roccjinx.org or .com. And uh, there's a little button there on the top bar that says Online Features. Just push that, and the sermons pop right up, and it's dated and titled and you can hit the little the little uh, uh, microphone that's sitting there and uh, listen to your preacher if you missed him. So, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. <laughs> because every church has a story. I want you to hear this this church's story. It's a great story. Now we're ready.
1: Bell up word. I'd run barefooted all day long, climbing trees free as song. One day, I happened to catch myself a squirrel. Well, I stuffed him down in an old shoebox and punched a couple of holes in the top. When Sunday came, I snug him into church.
0: Video. There we go. I
1: was sitting way back in the very last pew, showing him to my good buddy. When that squirrel got loose, went totally berserk. What happened next is hard to tell. Some thought it was heaven, some thought it was hell, but the fact that something was among us was plain to see. As the choir sang, I surrender all, a squirrel ran up hard Newland's coveralls. Hard heart leaped to his feet and said, Something's got a hold on me. <laughs> the day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous so church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. Pascagoula, it was a fight for survival that broke out. Jumping pews and shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Well, Harve hit the aisle dancing and screaming. Some thought he had religion, others thought he had a demon, and heart, thought he had a weed eater loose when he screwed the moves <laughs> He fell to his knees to plead and beg, and that squirrel ran out of his britches leg unobserved to the other side of the room. All the way down to the Amen view, where sat Sister Bertha Better Than You, who'd been watching all the commotion with sadistic glee. <laughs> Should have seen that look in her eyes when that squirrel jumped her garters and crossed her thighs. She jumped to her feet and said, Lord, have mercy on me. <laughs> As that squirrel made laps inside her dress, she began to cry and then to confess her sins and make a sailor blush with shame. She told of gossip and church dissension But the thing that got the most attention was she talked about her love life And then she started naming names The day of the scroll went desert In the first self-righteous church In that sleepy little town of Pascagoula It was a fight for survival That broke out in revival They were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah Seven deacons and the pastor got saved, and $25,000 was raised, and 50 volunteered for missions in the Congo on the spot. And even without an invitation, there were at least 500 rededications, and we all got rebaptized whether we needed it or not. Now you've heard the Bible story, I guess, how he parted the waters for Moses to pass. Oh, the miracles God has wrought in this old world. The one I'll remember till my dying day Is how he put that church back on the narrow way With a half-crazed Mississippi squirrel The day the squirrel went desert In the 1st upright Church In that sleepy little town of Pat's Caboola It was a fight for survival That broke out in revival They were jumping pews and shouting Hallelujah! fight for survival and broke out in jumping hallelujah
0: Like I say, every church has a uh, history <laughs> I've uh, went online and tried to order that Mississippi squirrel see if we could maybe in- introduce him into our church. Amen <laughs> Something would happen, wouldn't it? It's awesome. But every church has a story. And this church in Thessalonica has a story, and that's what we're going to be looking at through our whole time in our series. But I want to tell you about River Oaks for a minute. River Oaks Church began back in 1964. didn't know if you realized that or not. Several people came together to establish a congregation that wanted to unite Christians from all church denominations who desired to follow the Bible as their only rule and guide. The first meeting place was a little white building called this i guess where the lions club met it's on second street just past beaver street and uh still there uh reba could probably tell me exactly what that building was called back then but nevertheless i think it's still there church grew and they moved to our current location right here in 1968 and the early in the, the only church building they had in that time was the fellowship hall that was the whole that was church fellowship hall baptismal, everything was over there. And then in uh, the early 70s, uh, they, just, they had grown and decided to expand the church. And so they built the foyer in this, this current worship area in our education wing uh, in the early 70s. And uh, for the last 49 years, This church has maintained and stayed true to its original vision. The church has seen many changes over the years, but it's maintained a presence in our Jinx community and uh, through the outreach and the assistance of people in need. And I'm grateful for our church that's right here on the corner of B Street and Elm Street in Jinx America. And I'm glad that we're here. And I'm glad that we have a history and we have a good history. All churches go through Changes. All churches are different. Uh, We had a lady visit that had not been here in probably 20 plus years. And uh, she said, Why? Things are really different here. And I said, Well, the one thing that's not different is we still preach the same Jesus that you heard 20 years ago. And that's not going to change. But other things will change. And this is what the church in Thessalonica was going to experience. Every church has a story. Thessalonica was planted by the apostle Paul in his second missionary journey. He went to Thessalonica after he was released from prison in Philippi. Thessalonica was a big city of over 200,000 people, which was big for the ancient world, and in Acts 17, Paul tells us that uh, it was it was only he was only there in Thessalonica for 3 weeks. But in those three weeks, he established this church that he's writing to right now. Most scholars agree that the 1 Thessalonians is the oldest book in the New Testament, and the first letter that Paul probably wrote was to this church. He's writing to find out how they're doing, but also to remind them of one very important thing, and that is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And I want to make sure that you understand the theme of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians is Jesus is coming back. Can you say that with me? Jesus is coming back. Now, you can, put your, you can bank on that. You can bet on that and you will win because His Word is true. Amen? Have you found that to be true in your life, that His Word is true? Amen. If He says, I love you, you feel loved. If He says, I forgive you, you feel forgiven. If he says, I'll never forsake you or leave you, he's always going to be there for you. All the time, in every way, in every possible way. But it's the number one theme that permeates 1 and 2 Thessalonians is the return of Jesus Christ. And Paul wanted them to understand that it could happen at any moment. Are you ready for him to come at any moment? Are you ready for him to come today? Well, I hope so. Because in our text today, we're going to break up the first 10 verses but it, it, into three points or three things that Paul wants us to learn and every believer to learn as we prepare and need to learn to prepare for the end of the world. We want to look at verses 1 through 4 first, and uh, they're on a slide up here. Let's take a look at them. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all for all of you, remembering you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing your election, brothers loved by God. The first thing that he wants us to know is that we need to get serious about our faith. He wants us to get serious about our faith. Because people, lots of people say they believe in God, and lots of people talk and try to talk a good game, but those who are living in the light of His return are living with a powerful testimony. Jesus said in Matthew 24, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while and begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? Well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to the pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When we forget that Jesus is coming back and he could come back today, it can cause us to become lazy in our service and lazy in our lives and in our faith and in our walk with God. He is coming. Get ready. If you knew for sure that he was coming at 1 o'clock today, would you be doing anything different? (laughs) I hope not. Because if you would do something different, that means you're doing something you shouldn't be doing now. Thinking something you shouldn't think now. You should be ready for him to come right now. Come on, Lord, let's go. I was preaching this way in a church when I first got out of Bible college. And a guy after church, he said, "Preacher, uh, I'll tell you what. He said, it sound like you're trying to pack a load right now." I said, "Well, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to go. Don't you want to go?" He said, "Well, if you're if you're punching tickets, I'll wait for the second load, but because he didn't, he wasn't quite ready to go." Paul states that. These believers in Thessalonica, they didn't waver in their commitment. Instead, they were pictures of faithfulness. He notes their work, their labor of love, their patience of hope, and the belief that Jesus is coming back prompts us to live that godly life. If you know He's coming, you ought to be living like He's coming. Live as though you're leaving here today. And then you have no regrets. But see, we don't think that, do we? Ah, there's plenty of time. Ah, he'll understand. Ah, he knows I'm weak. Oh, that... You fill in the blank, right? There is no time like now to make those changes. No time like now to make the changes. When I first started exercising, some of you have seen the results of that. I couldn't get off the floor by myself. The trainer had to come over and pick me up off the floor. It was really embarrassing. Because he's about 30 something years old. I'm almost 60, about double his age. I should be able just to jump up and slap him around, right? Well, you've been an ex Marine, I'm not gonna slap him at all. But, <laughs> but now I don't have to I don't have to have his help. Because you see, now is the time to do something, not later. Now's the time to get up and go. Now's the time to make that change you've always talked about making. Well, boy, one of these days, one one, 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 of these days, one one, one of these days. When's that day going to come? When are you going to get so excited about Jesus, He could come today that you're going to make that phone call and say, hey, hey, hey. Ah, We're in the NFL now. That football season started. He can't come now. We just got our fantasy football league started again. <laughs> he can't come now. Hey, I had to endure basketball, baseball, finally football. Glory to God. Did you see how many people came to worship God down at, o, at OU Stadium yesterday? There was 84,000 there worshipping God. He was. He was there. Wasn't he? Didn't they spell G-O-D? Wasn't that, the, isn't that the on the side of their helmet? Oh. Hmm. There was 8,000. I think it was eight. Watching Jinx play Ulysses Trinity football team down in Fort Worth, Texas. Wow. I remember being at TU Stadium and watching 43,000 people watch Jinx and Union play. Wow. Let's bring the preacher up then. As quick as they get that crowd, let's get the preacher right in the middle of the 50 yard line and let him start preaching. That crowd is going to swell, isn't it? Out! They're gone! I came to watch a gladiator thing and you've got some preacher up here preaching? Now, it might be worth staying if you're going to turn the lines loose on the preacher in the midfield. Aren't we a fickle group, huh? The belief that Jesus is coming back prompts us to live a godly life. Do you know why we disobey God? There's really two reasons. Number one, we either don't believe him when he says not to do something, or secondly, we don't think we're going to get caught. See, that's modern day repentance. I'm not necessarily sorry for what I did. I'm just sorry I got caught for what I did. Amen? We don't like that. You know, I've I've told you this story before where the guy stumbles out of the bar on uh, Bourbon Street and falls down. Chaplain Bob Harrington comes by and he says, oh, Bob, pray for me. He kneels down and he says, Lord, watch over this drunk. Oh, don't tell him I'm drunk. (laughs) Of course not. God doesn't know he's not drunk unless Bob tells him, right? God doesn't know that you're lying on your taxes unless somebody tells him. God doesn't know that you're looking at stuff you shouldn't look at and reading stuff you shouldn't read and talking about people you shouldn't talk about unless somebody tells them. Oh, Oh, don't tell him. God doesn't say something is bad because it's sin. He says it's sin because it's bad. He doesn't say something's bad because it's sin. He says it's sin because it's bad. Sleeping around isn't bad. It's sin. It's sin. And it's sin because it's bad and it hurts you. Jealousy and envy aren't bad because they're sin. They're sin because they're bad and they hurt you. God says to stay away from things because they can destroy our lives. So He classifies it as sin. But when we do it anyway, it's because of one or two of the other things that I just mentioned. Hebrews 4.13 says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight uh oh we're in deep trouble aren't we nothing it says is hidden from God's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account have you ever thought about giving an account to God you and I are going to stand before him and give an account of our life both good and bad how and you better hope that the boy on the right hand side of God steps up and says I know him because the boy on the left-hand side is already going to be accusing you when you're walking up. Oh, here you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to tell him the truth now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You better hope that that guy on the right-hand side jumps up and says, "Dad, he's one of ours. She's one of ours." <laughs> and if you don't know for sure whether the right hand or the left hand is going to jump up, you better get on. Your, you better have a Mississippi squirrel revival in your life. <laughs> Raise $25,000 in one offering. Think about having to explain some of the things that you've done to Almighty God. The last thing that you want to be is goofing off when Jesus returns. I mean, do you want to be watching Honey Boo Boo when Jesus returns? I mean, come on. Really? Our swamp people? Now, Duck Dynasty, let's back off on those guys now here. And there's a reason why it's the number one show. In fact, they told them they weren't going to renew their contract unless they stopped praying at the end of the service. And Phil stood up and he said, we'll see you later. (laughs) And they all turned to walk out the room. And those executives went nuts because they saw all the revenue going right out that door with them. And they said, well, fine, you can pray, you can pray. He said, okay, then get over yourselves. That's what we need right there. Let's look at verses 5-7. through seven. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and much, with much assurance. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. When? In spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. second thing he wants you to know is that I need to live... A godly life. I need to live a godly life. Let me ask you a question. What would the world look like if everyone was like you? If everyone served like you serve? If everyone gave like you give? If everyone was committed like you are committed? What would this world look like? What would the church look like? Would it be a glorious thing because you're doing everything that you can to live a life to the glory of God? Or would it be an absolute nightmare? These believers in Thessalonica were living a godly life through the example of Paul and Timothy. And here's one of the motivators they had. Jesus is coming back. Let's say it again. Jesus is coming back. This is that theme that recurs over and over in all the chapters. Every chapter, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. Let me show you. In chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, "...for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and wait for his Son from heaven, whom he had raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come." in chapter 2 verse 19 for what is our hope our joy our crown of rejoicing is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming chapter 3 verse 13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints chapter 4 verse 13 14 but I do not want you to be ignorant brothers concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him those who are asleep in Jesus chapter 5 verses 5 and 6 you are all sons of light sons of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness therefore let us not sleep as others do but let us watch and be sober he's talking to us the church today are we listening are we hearing do we even care are we complacent enough to say well i'll just be the way i am all the time you know i mean he'll understand how weak i am he'll understand (sighs) no he won't understand because he called you to holiness and you've been blowing him off ever since you went to the water of grave of baptism Rise to walk in a new life. For about 20 minutes, you were new. Then you slid back into the old ruts and you've let the old ruts be your excuse since. The reality that Jesus is coming back should influence us and motivate us to live the kind of life that honors God. Read a story. (laughs) Read a story. This is so funny. Uh, The Guy's daughter loved the movie Kung Fu Panda. Anybody? Kung Fu Panda? You know what I'm talking about? That white he was Kung Fu. Never mind. Anyway. She loves it so much that she began to imitate that panda because he's a karate chopping, you know, uh, fighter in, in, this, in this movie. But the only person that she had to kung fu fight on was her three-year-old brother. And, you know, that wasn't going so well. So the dad tried an experiment. He, he said, look, we're going to cut out kung fu panda for a while and you're going to watch the Care Bears with me. He was hoping that there wouldn't be much bloodshed in, in the Care Bears. So they began to, watch, began to watch and something really awesome happened, he said. He noticed that as they were sitting on the bed watching Care Bears, that his daughter would give her brother a kiss just out of nowhere, just out of nowhere. You see, because we're influenced by what's around us. And the same is true about our church, about our Bible, and how much of either one that we're involved in. It's because of all these things that they're influencing us in the kind of lives that we live. We can either be a blessed life or we can be a cursed life, and we can just pretend that we're Christians or we can really be Christians. We can pretend that we're Christ followers or we can just really be Christ follower. Let's look at our last verses, eight through ten. Dear friends, we are. Excuse me. For the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of re- a reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who re- rescues us from the coming wrath. Third thing that he wants you to know as you prepare for the end, end of the world is that you need to understand the times in which you live. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. The rapture is the time when Jesus returns for his church and removes the church from the world so he can deal with Israel. Once the church is removed at the rapture, it will be set in motion. uh, A a seven-year period will be set in motion called the Tribulation. In Jeremiah 30... Catch this prophecy. Now these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and of not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor uh, with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turn pale? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but but he shall be saved out of it. So we have to pray that we have the relationship with God and we have to develop that relationship with God so strongly, so definitely, that we're not worried about when Jesus is going to return because when He comes, we're gone. Amen. Or we're going to be protected under His shield. Amen. We've got the blood of Jesus that covers us. We've got nothing to worry about. Oh, preacher, I'm going to take your life. Shoot me now and get it over with. I need knee replacement. I just seem to be out of this pain. <laughs> Because I am ready. I've been more ready than I've ever been to go see Jesus. If he should tarry longer for me to see those twin girls born to Corey, it, it will be it will be worth it. But here's the thing not every generation could say Jesus come back today. Why? Because certain Bible prophecies had not had to be fulfilled. If you were a believer back in the 1500s, Jesus couldn't have come back yet. Why? Because Israel did not exist as a nation. And Israel is the key to Bible prophecy. Say what you will. Why do we support Israel? And why should we as believers support Israel? It's because our Savior came from there. Amen. For no other reason. Support Israel. Stand with them. And I'm telling you, God said, I will bless those nations that stand with Israel, but I will curse those that come against him. Oh, just wait. Just wait. I love listening to these prognosticators talk about how the doom and gloom is going to happen. God is in control. He always has been. Just step back and relax and take a deep breath and tell him you're going to go to hell if you don't get right with Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let's see somebody get on TV and talk about that. Oh my goodness, would you be run out of town on a rail? All Bible prophecy speaks of Israel as a nation. But that didn't happen until May 14th of 1948 when Israel was given its independence. And after the horrors of World War II and Nazi Germany, the world community understood that this this would never have happened if Israel had had their own homeland. There were the big things that Christians have been waiting for. Israel back in the land. Israel controlling Jerusalem. And Jews returning to Israel. Look at Ezekiel 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when uh, he is with them so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. So what happens now? Israel is in the land. Jews are returning to Israel. Israel is flourishing and prospering in the land given to them by Almighty God. And Jesus in Matthew 24 says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In that same way, when you see all these things, you can know His return is very near, right at the door. Jesus is telling us that. He's saying, get ready, church. Get ready, church. Don't sit on your rear end and hope it happens. Don't sit back and go, well, I'd like to get in. No, get up and do something for God. Amen. Get up and do something for God. Don't sit back and go, I can't get anybody to come to church with me, preacher. I've asked thousands of people to come. I challenge you. Thousands? Thousands? Sales techniques say, if you want to sell one thing, you've got to talk to 100 people. Huh. Thousands? Have any of you Talk to somebody, led them to Christ, and took them to the water of baptism and helped them to rise and to walk a new life. Any of you done that? Well, that's what we got preachers for. Really? I can't get to everybody. I need your help. Find somebody. Grab hold of them. Throw them on the ground. Choke them. Whatever you got to do you got to let them understand it. it's coming soon. He's coming soon. Throughout the Bible, the symbol of Israel is a fig tree. Jesus is saying, when you see Israel in their land bearing fruit, prospering and growing, I'm coming back. We are witnessing this very thing in front of us. The stage is set for Jesus to come back. But the question of the hour is, are you ready for him to come back? Or are you wanting to wait and punch a ticket for the second load? So how do you get ready? By giving your life to Jesus. Surrendering your life and your heart to Jesus. He died for you. So you could experience love, grace, and mercy. But also so you could be delivered from this time of tribulation. So I want to give you an opportunity. Every Sunday we give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. You see, He loves you. I want to invite you to come. let Him come into your life and save you from the coming wrath. To save you and forgive you from all of your sins. And you might say, Preacher, I've already done that once, but man, I'm burdened down. Release the sin. Let go of the past. Unhitch the wagon. Don't drag it any further. Amen. Maybe you're a Christian <coughs> living that compromised life. You've been living for the Lord, but you want to be ready for His return. be ready to invite Jesus into your life and be forgiven. Today's the day. Pray with me, please. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Such a timely subject, such timely scriptures. there was a time in all of our lives that are that are believers, Christ followers in this room where we could stand unequivocally and we could say at the top of our lungs Jesus come quickly, Jesus come today because we had such a strong assurance in our heart that if we died today we would be with you but life has happened since that day that we found you as our savior circumstances have caused us to be distracted but here's what I know and here's what I can testify of is that same Jesus who saved me initially from my sin said through John that if I'll confess my sins to him that is Jesus that he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So Father, all we have to do is come back to your son Jesus and ask him to clean us up again. And then, Father, we must work diligently to be holy and blameless in your sight. I don't know what decisions need to be made in this room today, God, but there may be some who need to just come forward and cry out to you. There may be some who've never named you as their Savior. This would be a great day. There may be some who want to make this church their home. We'd love to visit with them about it. Whatever decision they need to make, they are going to make one before they leave here today. Would it be that right one in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand and sing together a hymn of invitation.